Kyle Dubas has made some high-grade moves in the short time he's been the GM. I don't know where this Ryan Graves move will ultimately wind up, but it's not on the healthiest of trajectories. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Capitals 4, Penguins 3. Last night at PPG Paints Arena, I was there to cover it for DK Pittsburgh Sports. Have all kinds of written thoughts about that on the website. Hope you'll take a look at that. Graves was on the ice for three of Washington's goals. He ended up officially a minus two on the evening, and he was right in the line of sight on a couple of the goals. And while that's not often a fair way to assess the degree to which that defenseman is responsible for the goal being given up, when it's occurring again and again and again, and you're constantly looking toward the ice and seeing number 27 skating away from the scene while the other guys are whooping it up, it does start to resonate. And I feel like with Graves, it's really been in play all along. Is that too harsh? It might be too kind. If you go over his performance to date, you're talking about someone who has a 49.39 Corsi 4 percentage at 5 on 5. What that means, plain and simple, is how often are you on the rink at even strength for when your team generates a shot attempt versus when the other team generates a shot attempt. It tends to be indicative of possession. It tends to be indicative of your impact on possession. It's not an exact science, but it's about as good as hockey's got. Hockey has really rough data that goes into its analytics. And Graves has been Per that measure and other measures, advanced and otherwise, the Penguins' worst defenseman. Not an opinion. Certainly not a shot. Just a fact. He's been the Penguins' worst defenseman. And if you don't take my word for it, take the word of Mike Sullivan and his staff, because it seems like at every available opportunity, even in-game, they'll bump him down. They did it again last night. They've tried to have Graves work with Eric Carlson for a couple of weeks now, and it hasn't happened. It hasn't come close to clicking. So, as this game proceeded, you'd eventually see Carlson paired with P.O. Joseph. And that went a little bit better, but what you don't want, if you're the Penguins, is to sign someone to a six-year, $27 million contract and have them be an albatross or have them be somebody who needs to be propped up. Graves was acquired for the specific purpose of giving the Penguins another left-handed defenseman that they could put in their top four, someone who would be an upgrade on Brian Dumoulin or the most recent version of Dumoulin that we witnessed which was not a very high bar. And I say that with respect to what he had accomplished in his career before that. He's not been good. And he 
has metrics that suggest he's dragging down whoever he happens to be partnered with. Initially, that was Chris Letang. Now it's Carlson. Not coincidentally, both of those guys have seen their own performances go down when they're tied to him. So you see a game like last night where the Capitals would get out to a 4 nothing lead and the Penguins would battle back. They got three goals. Ricard Raquel scored. Jake Gensel scored. Sidney Crosby scored. Sid was unbelievable, actually, all night again. And the easy thing to do, in addition to being fair, is to say, well, Tristan Jari really blew that. Well, he did. He did. Three goals on seven shots and getting yanked is not what you want out of your starting goaltender. I don't care how great the goaltending's been over the past month, and it really has. That can't happen. Not in a game that big. But I'll come back to it once more. If 27's out there all the time, and you see 27 was the guy who was on Tom Wilson as Wilson came rushing down the rink in the opening minute to score on that long-range wrister, you can say, hey, Jari's got to stop that, and you'll be 100% right. You can also say, dude, just put your blade out and block it. You know, Wilson's not exactly flying at you with finesse. You know, just tip the thing and let it go up into the meshing. How about that? Make a play. The same thing on the second goal. You can say, you know, Beck Mellenstein's centering attempt, it ends up caroming off of Graves' blade and kind of popping up into the air and behind Jari. You can say Jari had no business being off of his pipe there, and he probably didn't. Or you can just say that it's unlucky. But why was this mediocre fourth-line winger allowed to just freely enter the zone and not just get completely rubbed out? This is a big dude. He's not bulky, but Graves is 6'5", 220, and he should be able to take someone like Malenstein and at least just shove him out of the way. And he didn't. And he didn't. And then on a fourth Washington goal, that was by Alexander Ovechkin, it just sailed from the right point, and Graves is right there in front. Aliaxei Protas was there as well, and he's a big dude. This is their second line left winger. He's 6'6", 225, but that's the size that Graves is. Graves not only couldn't budge him, he wouldn't budge him. Again, you know, should, in this case, it was Alex Nadelkovic, should he be able to look around the set of screens and maybe stop this, and it was a power play, and it, of course, was a Vetchkin, even if it was a floater. Okay, great. But, you know, defend somebody. I asked Graves after the game just to kind of walk me through the way this game started. Best way to explain what happened in the first period? Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a mix. Um, I mean, obviously, the second one, it's a crazy bounce. Like, right. that could happen 100 times, and that probably wouldn't happen again. But at the same time, you, there's things you can do. You can close it earlier. You can, um, there is there is ways to avoid the situation. So, um, like, you can look at it as a bounce, but at the same time, you can look at it as you need to um, maybe be a little closer, things like that. So it's not, you're not just going to wash it and say, um, oh, it's a bad bounce. It's not my fault. There's things that you can do, and um, you just need to look at it and be better. If that sounds like he's a little bit nervous or hesitant or whatever, that's that's the same feel or the same read that I got. He knows it's not going well. 
Mike Sullivan knows that it's not going well. He has suggested as much at times. And they hold out hope in large part because with the Devils, he was a pretty productive player. He was actually on their top pairing alongside our old friend John Marino. As it turns out, all of the metrics that suggested that Marino was carrying Graves turned out to be pretty much spot on. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Jonathan, who says, DK, lots of angst after this one, but didn't the Penguins come into it with the most points over their last 10 games in the NHL, and they exit this one in nearly the same spot in the standings? It's the next 10 games I'm worried about, as they face a pretty big litmus test, five games against top 10 teams league-wide. If they can't scrape 10 points out of those 20 then it's time to worry. You're getting maybe a little bit more ahead of things than I am in watching this team. I still want to see even greater consistency in multiple facets than what we saw in the 7-1-1 run. That's now, of course, 7-2-1. I'd like to see this team channel what it did over the final 41 minutes of this game on a more regular and predictable basis. One thing that Mike Sullivan pointed out afterward in talking about Tristan Jari getting yanked, he said, you know, the obvious that, you know, Tristan wasn't at his best. But he also pointed out that neither was anybody else. And it's true. The Penguins were getting outshot outplayed out everything. They only had one shot on goal 15 minutes through the period. One. And that's like you said right there, and I I love this observation on your part. That can't happen in this situation. I've been talking a lot on this program about the teams that you have to knock out of playoff positions in the Eastern Conference. And I've circled the Capitals as one of them. They're not good, okay? They're okay. And if and when they get, you know, TJ Oshie and Max Pacioretty and a handful of other guys back, they're gonna, they're gonna be a tough out. But this isn't a team that you go, oh yeah, they're definitely gonna make it. You circle them, you circle the Flyers, you circle the Islanders. These are the three that just need to get out of this field. But you know, part of getting them out of the field is not blowing a four-point matchup. The Penguins did that. They didn't even come away with a point. Oh, I mean, they, they went hard and everything else at the end. And, and yeah, you can look at this pipe that was hit or this rebound or even in the last three seconds, Gino got off a rocket from the right point. I thought Darcy Kemper did really well to see and get his blocker on. But you didn't get it done. Your goalie didn't get it done. Your defense didn't get it done. And, you know, the guy who's trying to carry you on his back, even he didn't get it done. And he was terrific. It just wasn't enough. And a lot of things you can explain in hockey, but you have a really, really tough time explaining the first 19 minutes 
of this game because the Penguins had nothing. They didn't have goaltending, but they didn't have anything else either. And it wasn't until the change was made, and you know how that goes. Come on, boys. Come on, boys. It goes up and down the bench because now they feel bad. Even though the goalie stunk, he's our goalie, and we let him down. And it was just plain old too late. I asked Ricard Raquel after the game if if he could draw upon at least how they did play over the last two periods and change. Is this overall the way you guys want to be playing? I mean, maybe set aside the first 10, 11 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, mean, I think that's when we're tough to play against. And when, uh, when, when we make the game plan to fit our game, and like we, we know, we knew that they were backing off in the neutral zone, and when, then we tried to come back further and come, come with more speed. And I thought that it worked for us more, more on the forward check. And when we came together and our Ds could join, I thought at the start we were a little bit too spread out and they found the middle eyes or cross eyes passes and just had a, so easy entries. Now see, there he goes getting technical. He loves to do that, but he's right. He's right. There's a way of doing things that works for the Penguins. It can't take you 19 minutes of a major matchup like this to get to it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow.